just want to welcome everyone who's joining us uh, for this live stream from YouTube. Uh, this is just one part of our service here at City Temple. If you'd like to join the whole service via Zoom, drop us an email uh, at the email address on your screen, or you can just come down and see us in person here at City Temple in London at 11 a.m. on Sundays. If you have your Bible, let's turn to two places, Isaiah 61, we're going to read the whole thing, and then to uh, Luke chapter 4, Isaiah 61 and Luke chapter 4. And before we read, let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for the Bible. Thank you that it is your word to us and trustworthy and true. And thank you that you are faithful to open up your word to us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Do so this morning, Lord God, and let your spirit rest on me that I can bring your word to your people today boldly and faithfully through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and vine dressers but you shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy." For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their offspring shall be known among the nations, and their descendants in the midst of the people. All who see them shall acknowledge them, that they are an offspring the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth springs forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. Then to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Start with verse 16 and read down to verse 22. 
This is Jesus' first major sermon recorded in Luke. And Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled this scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Well, it's been kind of interesting in recovering from uh, COVID and all of the, the challenges and that journey, uh, which is almost a year ago now that I first came out of the hospital. And uh, it's been uh, kind of funny to me now. Uh, and I hadn't really, you know, sometimes, because I'm a guy, you know, so sometimes we guys can go a very long time with messages all around us that we just don't get. You know, we get these signs that we don't quite understand. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we, we tend to be kind of dense that way, don't we? You know, just a little bit. You know, not always, not Andrew, but everybody else. I think, you know, we, we could struggle that, you know. And, and so that's a little bit been the situation because since I've been out of the hospital it's, it's been kind of funny to me uh, you know at first it was when I would go see the doctors and the do I would go in and I'd sit down uh, across from a doctor that I'd never met and never seen and the doctor would look at me then look down at the notes and look at me then look down at the notes then look at me and say you look a lot better than I thought you would you know, and, and throughout this last year, I've had so many people say, wow, you're really looking good. You're really, in fact, uh, uh, last week, Jovan's mom, she was here, and she came up to me and said, boy, you really look good. Uh, and I'm like, okay. And then yesterday, I was at Marcus's birthday party. He's got a birthday tomorrow, by the way. And uh, I was at Marcus's birthday party. I won't tell you he's 43. But I was at his birthday party, and, uh, and his uh, brother-in-law, Ernesto, said, boy, boy, you really look good. And, uh, and so I had this, and, and sometimes that can be a little frustrating. I mean, I go back a few years ago, I think I've told this story, I was at an elders meeting, and I was really feeling terrible. I was really depressed. I was really discouraged. You know, I was really wanting to quit. And, uh, and so I'm sharing, I'm pouring out my heart to the elders. And after a couple of minutes of pouring out my heart, there's this dead silence. And they kind of look at me like, who are you? And, and then, and then uh, Cook, he kind of breaks the silence and says, Rod, you always look so good, we don't believe you. And I was just reflecting on this the last couple of weeks. And I realized something, and it's actually my sin and my weakness in this, that I haven't put this together, 
that every one of these opportunities, most of which I've missed, but I'm trying to correct that now, like I did yesterday, uh, every one of these opportunities was an opportunity to give glory to God and Jesus Christ. Because there's something that I've known throughout my life and that I've been conscious of from time to time, but it's part of my reality, and that is that I have God's favor on my life. I've got God's shalom on my life. And I think this is important for us as City Temple because God's favor is on City Temple. God's favor is on City Temple. Now for me and for City Temple, this has been true for a very, very long time. It's been true for many, many years. For City Temple a lot longer than me because City Temple is a lot older than I am. But this issue of the favor of God is there. And it comes not because I look so good, as everybody keeps telling me. It comes simply as a gift of God's grace. A grace gift from the Lord. We have found favor in God's sight. And from the favor that is upon us, God wants us to live out that favor, live out of that favor and proclaim, especially in this year ahead of us, the year of the Lord's favor. We have a year of the Lord's favor that God is calling us to proclaim and God is calling us to live out of. Now, I think God's favor is going to continue on us beyond that time. But we are especially in a season where we need to live out of this favor, proclaim God's favor, especially with the great turmoil that is ahead of us this year. So in a sense, I think God is telling us that his favor is one of the themes of this year and certainly going to be a theme that recurs a lot in preaching. But what is this favor of God? I mean, there's two very closely related concepts. We can talk about God's grace, as I just mentioned, God's grace. Now, what's God's grace? God's grace is undeserved kindness and benevolence and a general sense of favor toward people. And God's grace is applied to everybody, and God's grace is especially on us as Christians because God has saved us and called us by his grace. And every good thing we have in our lives is a gift of God's grace. Every good relationship you have, every blessing you have in your life, uh, if you get a blessing at work, if you have uh, good friendships, if you have a good house, whatever it is, you need to thank God because it's a gift of God's grace. And there's a grace of God that is upon our world which uh, is what has prevented our world so far from descending into utter chaos and destruction. But there's also a specific grace of God that is upon us as Christians. God's favor is different. 
God's favor is more directed, more targeted, more specific. God's favor is God's mysterious delight and goodwill towards specific people, specific individuals, and specific groups for his pleasure and for his kingdom purposes. It's, it's a mystery. It's God's mysterious delight and his mysterious goodwill towards specific individuals and groups for his pleasure and his kingdom purposes. You see this in the scriptures where it says, uh, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. And God was saying that. And you think, well, that's kind of strange. And what is that saying? It's saying simply that for some reason beyond our understanding, because Jacob was a scoundrel. I mean, come on, let's face it. He was a bit of a scoundrel. Uh, for some reason, God's favor was on Jacob. And Jacob was part of the, the pattern, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, the growth of, toward our salvation, the salvation of the world. We need to understand that both grace and favor are undeserved and freely given by God, but this, this favor is God's specific delight and goodwill toward an individual or group. I don't know why God's favor has been on City Temple, but you can look throughout our history and God's favor has been on this church. Since 1640 and even before, the favor of God has been on us. And sometimes the favor of God means that we've grown quite large, and sometimes the favor of God means we've grown quite small. You see, the favor of God is not to be equated with material prosperity. Sometimes you have God's favor, and yeah, you will prosper, but actually sometimes you've got God's favor, and tough things happen in your life. And you face challenges and difficulties. But sometimes it's God's favor that helps bring us through those challenges and difficulties. Now Jesus inaugurated his ministry with Isaiah 61, this proclamation of the year of the Lord's favor. And for Jesus, he fulfilled Isaiah 61. This whole chapter is fulfilled in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Jesus embodied Isaiah 61's fulfillment. And Jesus empowered us to be part of the fulfillment of Isaiah 61 in our world today. So Jesus is our model and Jesus is our standard. And Jesus did it by coming to this earth, living as one of us, dying on the cross, rising from the dead, ascending into heaven, and sending the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us empowering us to continue his work uh, and his ministry in our world today, becoming like him more and more as we do that. So when we talk about the favor of God, it's all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Jesus is clearly the embodiment of that favor, but we are also called, just as Jesus did, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor because it's here now, it's here upon us, and it's here even, in, dare I say it, with all the crazy stuff going on in our world right now. But I think God is speaking to us specifically through this chapter today for this year ahead 
and what he is calling us to do. And so I want to look at that and talk you through that a little bit. First, we see in this passage, and I'm not going to go through this exegetically, a verse-by-verse explication of it, but we see in this passage four things that God is doing for us or saying to us in general. The first thing is God is giving us God's mission for us as a church to people. As a church, we have a mission to people. And there is an outcome that God desires for that mission to people. Now much of this passage is about how we fulfill that mission. We need to understand the Spirit of the Lord is upon us. The Spirit of God, if you're a Christian, the Spirit of God is upon you. And He will come upon you repeatedly to fulfill the mission, and we can't do it without the Spirit of God coming upon us. So we need to be praying for that. The Spirit of God is upon us, and He has anointed us. He has empowered us and commissioned us through Jesus Christ for this mission. He's he's appointed us to bring good news to the poor, both the materially poor and the poor in spirit. And we need to be sharing the good news about Jesus Christ. He has empowered us. He's sent us out to bind up the brokenhearted, to minister to people that have been bound up in the, in the power of, crushing power of sin in their lives, who've been wounded and broken by this world, and to bind them up by the Spirit of God and encourage them, to proclaim liberty to the captives. And that means that God is sending us out to tell people they can be free from their sin in Jesus Christ. They don't have to be captive to sin. They don't have to sin anymore if they surrender to Jesus Christ. He sent us out to open the prison to those who are bound. That's talking about deliverance from demonic oppression, from demonization. God has empowered us to do this. God has sent us out to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The year of the Lord's favor. And the church needs to be known going forward as a church, and I'm talking not only about our church, but every church needs to be known as a church that's proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. Too much in recent decades, the church has been known as the church to proclaim the Lord's judgment. And we have to stop that. No, don't get me wrong. The Lord is judging. The Lord is dealing with that. But we need to proclaim the Lord's favor. Remember, it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. And yes, we do proclaim the day of vengeance of our God. But notice whose vengeance is it? It's God's vengeance. And so God's not sending us out to say, you know, this is bad, you're bad, God hates you. God's going to deal with that. If we proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and we proclaim Jesus, God will do a very good job of convicting people about his vengeance. And God will bring his vengeance. We are not his instruments of vengeance. Excuse me. (laughs) Almost choked myself. (laughs) Sorry. Oh. Oh, that's not good. 
You gotta watch that. It's just water. Believe me, it's just water. <laughs> okay. Coming back at it. <laughs> and uh, and God, God is sending us out to say to the people of the church, the church, you know, for too long, Christians have been really sad sacks. I mean, for too long, a lot of Christians have just been beaten down and uh, demoralized and kind of demolished in their spirits. Or you kind of get the other end of that. Sometimes you get it to where Christians are, are just oblivious to the stuff. Oh, yeah, how are you doing? I'm going from glory to glory when they're doing terrible. <coughs> Sorry. Uh, and in uh, uh, other times, Christians, you get Christians who associate, oh, I'm doing well because I've got a lot of money and I've got a nice house and I've got a great relationship and God's, because of that, God seems to be blessing me. But we need to start proclaiming and what God is doing, he's empowering us to grant those who mourn to grant those who mourn in Zion, that is the church, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. Ashes is what you put on your head when you've really messed things up, when you sin. To get the oil of gladness instead of mourning for all this bad and all this wrong. The garment of praise instead of a faint spirit that wants to go back. The praise that takes us forward. So God has empowered us by his Holy Spirit to do all these things, to carry out our mission for the outcome that he's about to tell us here in verse 3, that they, that is people, that people may become oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord that the Lord may be glorified. Our mission to people is that we want to see people all over London and all over the world, but especially all over London, we want to see people become oaks of righteousness. It's very rare that you see an oak torn out of the ground because of a storm. When oaks are established, they are powerful. They are big. And they are stable for years. And that's our mission to people in this year of favor, to see people become oaks of righteousness. And that means every one of us is to be an oak of righteousness. And understand that as an oak of righteousness, you are planted by God. And that means only God can uproot you, unless, of course, you uproot yourself. And the purpose of being an oak of righteousness is not so you get a bigger house, a better car, or a larger paycheck. The purpose of becoming an oak of righteousness is so Jesus might be glorified. And that's our mission to people. But God has too, God has a mission for us as a church. And God's mission for us as a church to London and beyond, uh, uh, God's mission for us as a church is to London and beyond. It's not just to individual people, but it's to London. And our mission is there in verse 4. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. 
all around the United Kingdom and all around London are places and churches and organizations and neighborhoods that generations ago were mighty in God, mighty in the power of the Lord, that saw their, their, the people around them change, transform with the good news of Jesus Christ. And God is sending us to raise up these former devastations. It's one of the reasons why we're going to Chelsea and meeting at the Chelsea Community Church. We want to see that place raised up and reestablished. And so as City Temple, God is calling us to raise up these places, to raise up these ruins, to go and, and raise up so that London is reached with the good news of Jesus Christ, so that the gospel goes forth into the world around us. You know, there are some churches that are called to go out and plant churches in, in new cultures, and that's great. There are some churches that are called to go out and primarily make, uh, see, win people for Jesus, and that's great. I mean, each church has a different kind of mission. Each church has a different kind of calling, and the calling upon City Temple has always been more apostolic that way, raising up leaders, raising up churches, raising up organizations that will be mighty in God for seeing the good news of Jesus Christ go around our world. And that's God's mission upon us as a church. That's God's favor upon us. So we have a mission to people, and that is to raise up oaks of righteousness. We have a mission to churches, to the city, to organizations in London and beyond, that is to raise up the ancient ruins, the former devastations. And we can do this because three in this passage, God has shown us our provision for our mission. It's God's provision for our mission. That's verses five to nine. He says, strangers shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and vine dressers, but you shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They have, shall have everlasting joy. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their offspring shall be known among the nations, and their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge them, and that they are an offspring the Lord has blessed. Now notice what God is doing for us, how God is providing for us in this passage, and we can always already see how this is happening. God is having strangers provide for us so that we might freely minister to the Lord. You know, right now we have non-Christians giving provision to us under the direction of the Lord. It's extraordinary. And when I see how the Lord has sustained us through COVID, yeah, we had some times where we as elders, you know, we were kind of shaking in our boots a little bit, and uh, 
and I could, you know, Federico would send me an email, and I could almost see his sweat, you know, pouring off on the email. You know, are we going to make it through? And God has just protected and provided for us. It's absolutely extraordinary to see what he's done, exactly what he said he would do here in Isaiah 61. He has these strangers that have been providing for us to give us freedom to minister to the Lord. And Lord willing, that's going to be true for at least the next couple of years. It's extraordinary to see this. But this is what God is doing. God is doing that for us. God is taking away our shame. You know, and you might think, well, what's that about? Well, you know, we're not a big church. And it'd be very easy to say, well, you know, back 150 years ago, there'd be 3,000 people in here. Oh, isn't it so shameful that City Temple has gotten to be so small? But it's like, no. The Lord will take away that shame. I'm not worried about it. But he's going to do that. That's part of his promise for the provision for us. That in all the ways where the Satan has robbed us, where he's robbed us of people, or, or there was a generation of liberalism in this church that the Lord uh, rever reversed, thank God. That's a sign of his favor upon us, by the way. All these, the Lord is dealing with those issues. The Lord is setting us free from past sins. The Lord is setting us free from times when we've been victimized, when we've gone through conflict or difficulty. The Lord is dealing with that. We don't have to deal with that. That's part of his provision for us. He is bringing the, the, the recompense for all of that. And the provision that he's also promising us here, notice here, is the provision of the next generation. Oh, for that, I missed one. He's also giving us the provision of being established in our land. Notice there. I will make... Uh, oh, there we go. I need to come up. Uh, in their land, excuse me, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. God's establishing us. This is our land. He's establishing us here. He's called us here. And he's also promised us the next generation. Notice what he, what he says there. Their offspring, that's our offspring, shall be known among the nations. Now that's not our literal offspring, although in some cases it will be, but that's our figurative offspring. The generations that are coming, they'll be known among the nations. The Lord has done all of this. We don't have to build a platform. The Lord is dealing with that. This is his provision for the mission that he's called us to. God has given us the provision. But I also believe, four, that God has given us some promises individually and corporately as we engage in our mission. Look at verses 10 and 11. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest, uh, like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with many jewels, 
or as the Lord brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden uh, causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. Uh, some promises there. But to understand the promises, we need to remember what God's been doing in us in this seven-year period of time, this previous seven years. And I've seen this in my life personally as well. To me personally, a few, few months ago, the Lord spoke and said, I have stripped you naked to clothe you royally, regally, excuse me. And, uh, and, you know, you don't really like to hear that, but it's better to hear that after the fact than before the fact. Let me tell you. And I really feel like a lot of that's happened to me these last uh, five, six years, certainly since 2016. You know, it feels like I've lost so much, my voice and, uh, and, and just different ministry relationships and things. Uh, uh, a lot of the folks that we had here at City Temple, we've seen that, but that's another category. I mean, there's just so much where I just feel like the Lord has just taken it away. He's taken it away. He's taken it away. He's taken it away. So I get to the point where I say, well, I know there's some things the Lord won't take away, like my wife, you know. I know he won't do that, like in divorce or something like that, uh, because, uh, you know, God hates divorce. So at least I've got a security of my marriage, you know, uh, in that. But it's, it's really been a challenging time. And it's been that way for us as a church. God has put us in this season that we've called the clearing out. And God has been clearing out. I mean, he's literally clearing out this building, you know, but he's cleared us out of people. He's cleared us out of different ministry things we used to do. He's cleared us out of so much. It's just like he's broken us down to the very, very basics if you want to understand that biblically, I see it in two verses especially. First is John 15, 2, where Jesus says, Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. And that's what God's been doing. We've been bearing fruit, but it's like God's pruned everything. He's just taken everything away. Why does he do that? Well, Jesus said, so that it may bear more fruit. God's desire for us is to bear more fruit. Or also in John chapter 12, truly, truly, Jesus says, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And it really feels in many ways, so many times, that it's like God is bringing a death to us. It's almost like God is killing us as a church. God is killing us as city temple. He's planting us. Why? So that we might sprout up and bear more fruit and more fruit and more fruit. And so when we understand that God has been stripping us back, emptying us out, pruning us, causing us to die in some ways, we can then begin to understand God's promises in this year ahead. God promises two things that come out of this scripture. He promises new clothes. And the clothes are clothes of salvation and righteousness. 
He promises those clothes, the clothes of, of God's shalom. That's what salvation is all about. It's God bringing his shalom to us individually and corporately. That's his promise. He's going to show us his favor individually and corporately in this next season. He's also bringing us clothes of righteousness. That's right relationship with people and with God. And we're going to live out of that right relationship. We're going to live out of that salvation. And also with verse, uh, verse 11 there, it's a promise of new fruitfulness. For as the Lord brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all nations. And that's God's plan, to cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all nations. And so God has a mission for us as a church to people, and that mission is to see oaks of righteousness established in the Lord. God has a mission for us as a church to London and beyond, and that's to raise up the former devastations, to rebuild the ancient ruins. God has a provision for us that is here and is coming. The provision of strangers taking care of us, the provision of bringing recompense to us, the provision of a new generation to follow on after us. And God has promises for us individually and corporately, promises of new clothes, a new uh, life. You know, we often say the clothes make the man. It's kind of like a promise of, of a new life, a new understanding of ourselves, and a new level of fruitfulness. And this is all because the year of the Lord's favor. And it's all because the favor of God is on us as a church. And that means everybody that's connected with City Temple will experience the favor of God. Not in the same way, but everybody will experience the favor of God. Even those that are watching on Zoom can experience the favor of God. Because God's favor is upon us. And this is the year of the Lord's favor. But we have to remember, God's favor is not upon us just so that we can say, wow, you know, I'm, I'm God's favor. doesn't mean we're God's favorite because God doesn't play favorites. God's favor is upon us so that we might be a blessing. God's favor is upon us together, individually, so that we might be a blessing, so that God might use us to bring his kingdom of love and righteousness into the world around us. And as we can see, our world desperately needs it. So may we be the church that God is calling us to be. And may people all around us see and know the favor of God upon us. And so the next time someone says, you look really good, just say, well, thank the Lord that his favor is on my life. Let's pray. Gracious God, you're such an awesome God. And I don't always understand your ways. I don't always understand 
the things you do and why you do them and how you do them, but I know that you're a good God. And I certainly don't always understand how your favor works, but I thank you that your favor has been upon my life since I was a child, since I was a baby. And I thank you, Lord, that your favor has been upon this church since its inception, almost 400 years ago. And I pray, Almighty God, that we'll never take this favor for granted. We are grateful because it's a mystery to us. But we know it comes by your grace, and we know that it's completely undeserved. And so thank you for delighting in us. Thank you for pointing your goodwill toward us, for having your face smile upon us. May we live boldly in that reality, especially in the turmoil ahead in this year, in the crazy times in which we live. May we live boldly in that reality, and may we see it manifest in every area of our lives, not only in our church, but also and especially in our work, Lord. Wherever we are in the marketplace, let that favor be manifested as a testimony to Jesus. In our homes, in our families, let that favor be manifested as it is rested on us individually and corporately. All for the glory and praise of Jesus Christ. We love you and we worship you and we adore you in this time. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.